This morning, America's First News starts right after this. How would you love a chance to save some money on car insurance? GEICO can help. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save. From Compass Media Networks, this is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. A pitch for independence. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Tuesday, October 18th, glad you could be with us, and here's what we have for you this hour. Candidates in statewide races in key states are trying to sway voters before the midterm. Here from the latest debates. You can now apply for student loan debt relief. The online portal is open following a beta test. In business news, optimism from Bank of America, layoffs at Microsoft and Netflix reportedly trying to get us to visit more frequently. And how Sandy Hook families hope to collect some of the hundreds of millions awarded in the Alex Jones trial. They've got a multi-front battle on their hands that will probably take a very long time to resolve, but they are absolutely determined to get as much of this judgment as they possibly can deliver to them. Elizabeth Williamson at the New York Times on what happens after the nearly $1 billion judgment. A night of passionate debates among statewide candidates in battleground states. Democrat Tim Ryan and Republican J.D. Vance squared off in Ohio, trying to fill the seat being vacated by the retiring GOP Senator Rob Portman. Mr. Ryan, the congressman. Those extremists that he runs around with, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ted Cruz, all these guys, they just want to stoke this racial violence. We're tired of it. Mr. Vance, the venture capitalist. The fentanyl crisis right now is so bad because Joe Biden and Tim Ryan have not done their job. They have not secured the United States southern border. It is a terrible tragedy. It cannot be allowed to continue. And when I'm in the Senate, it won't. Former President Trump won Ohio by eight points in 2020. But this Senate race is competitive with just over three weeks to go. In Georgia, Republican Governor Brian Kemp faced Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams. It's a rematch of 2018. Mr. Kemp. My desire is to continue to help them fight through 40-year high inflation and high gas prices and other things that our Georgia families are facing right now, quite honestly because of bad policies in Washington, D.C. from President Biden and the Democrats that have complete control. And Ms. Abrams. He has weakened gun laws and flooded our streets. He has weakened our privacy rights and our and women's rights. He has denied women the access to reproductive care. The most recent CBS News poll, by the way, shows Mr. Kemp leading 52 to 46 percent. Russian aerial assaults continue in Ukraine. A Russian missile struck an apartment building in the port of Mykolaiv early today. It comes hours after the United States warned that it would hold Russia accountable for war crimes. A witness told Reuters that the missile, which caused one of three explosions heard in the southern city, completely destroyed one wing of the building in the downtown area, leaving a massive crater. Yesterday brought Russian strikes on the capital, Kiev, and other cities in which at least four people were killed, the second wave of airstrikes in a week. Here's White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre. The most recent escalation, uh, the United States strongly condemns uh, Russia's missile strikes today, uh, which continue to demonstrate Putin's brutality. News photographers caught images of some of the drones as they flew into Kyiv with triangle-shaped wings and a pointed warhead. 
clearly visible. Drones came in several waves. The Russian strikes followed advances by Ukrainian forces in the east and south. You can now start applying for student loan debt forgiveness. The Biden administration launched an online portal that will allow individuals with federal student loans to apply for up to $20,000 in relief. White House officials say more than 8 million people have applied following the Education Department's launch of a beta test version of the application. President Biden said the testing period was deemed a success, allowing the administration to officially launch the application yesterday. My commitment was if elected president, I was going to make government work to deliver for the people. This this rollout keeps that commitment. GOP leaders, though, in Missouri, Nebraska, Arkansas, South Carolina, Kansas, and Iowa are seeking to stop the administration's effort to write off hundreds of billions of dollars in student debt. Attorneys for the Biden administration and the states challenging the plan squared off at a federal court hearing last week that left the fate of the loan forgiveness in limbo. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org radio. Bringing the world to your door every morning. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Be sure to follow us on social media, including on our newly updated Instagram page. You can find it at This Morning with Gordon Deal. New fundraising reports filed with the Federal Election Commission show Democratic candidates outraised the Republican opponents in 10 of the most competitive Senate races as the midterm campaigns headed into the final stretch before Election Day. Analysis from John McCormick, national politics reporter at The Wall Street Journal. He's been looking at the reports. John, what have you found? Democrat uh, candidates for U.S. Senate are actually raising more money than Republicans um, in all 10 of the top states uh, where, you know, the races are expected to be the closest. And, you know, this is uh, maybe a little bit of a, a journalism trick to, uh, you know, get a little something interesting out of these filings. But the, the thing we have to keep in mind is while Democrats have raised more during the quarter, a lot of the spending is done by super PACs, these super political action committees that can can raise and spend unlimited sums of money. And they're really, uh, you know, uh, spending an awful lot in, in these states uh, in the Senate races right now as well. So it's you know, it takes candidate money, but also the super PACs are very involved. All right, I think that was uh, a point you made in the story. You said uh, some of this GOP spending has offset the Democrats' campaign cash advantage here. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing to keep in mind, and this is a little bit in the weeds, but it, it is is important when you're looking at the dollar amounts. Candidate dollars are always more valuable than super PAC dollars. Candidates get to pay the lowest rate possible when they're when they're buying advertising whereas the super PACs don't sometimes they can be paying you know two three four five times what the rate is of the candidates so a a dollar given to a candidate is always more valuable than a dollar given to a super PAC Um, but again as I mentioned the super PACs can can raise and spend unlimited sums so if somebody wants to contribute you know ten million dollars to a super PAC as as a couple billionaires recently did um, you know, that, that goes a long way in terms of buying uh, all the advertising that's airing right now. Boy, is there uh, one 
big figure on how much is being spent on all these competitive Senate races? Yeah, well, it's uh, it kind of depends on how you want to slice the onion, but there's there's a few ways to look at it. Um, we we saw that through Saturday uh, about 330 million from party committees and outside groups had gone into television, social media, and radio advertising just since Labor Day in those 10 most competitive Senate races. Um, and so that was just the outside money, the candidates who were spending money as well. And uh, so it's, um, you know, it, this midterm election is expected to set a record for total dollars spent on uh, a midterm for advertising. And uh, boy, if you live in one of these contested states where there's a hot Senate race or a hot governor's race, um, you are uh, probably being blasted by almost continuous political ads uh, yeah. right now, and, and that's not going to change until Election Day. Jeez. We're speaking with John McCormick, national politics reporter at The Wall Street Journal. His story is called Money Pours into Senate Races as Midterm Campaign Enters Home Stretch. All right, so touch on a, a couple of the individual states that you looked at in the spending, like a, like a Georgia or a Pennsylvania. Yeah, so we, we uh, looked at, again, um, spending since Labor Day, which is sort of the official start of the, the home stretch for, for the campaign. And, you know, we found in terms of advertising spending, and that's really the bulk of the spending for campaigns, most of the money goes towards advertising. They have staff salaries and polling, and, you know, they have to buy donuts for supporters and stuff like that. But the big money really goes to advertising. So we looked at that, and yeah, Georgia in those Senate races that are the most competitive is is easily leading the pack for total spending. You know, in excess of like you know seventy two million dollars have been spent just since Labor Day on advertising in Georgia, followed by Pennsylvania, uh, Nevada, Wisconsin, Arizona, North Carolina, and Ohio. Those are sort of the rankings for um, the, the spending in the top Senate races that we've seen recently. Boy, and. As you point out, I mean, just, just because you're spending big money does not mean you're going to pick up the votes when they count. Yeah, no, I mean, candidates matter and local issues matter and, and all kinds of other things do matter. Um, so, yeah, no, we uh, we cited an example in, in uh, I think it was 2018 or 2020, where a Senate candidate, you know, was outraised uh, three to one and still managed to win. That was an incumbent in, in Maine. And uh, so... You know, lots of things besides money do matter, but, um, you know, in this home stretch in terms of trying to, you know, if there are any independent voters left out there trying to convince those independent voters to go one way or the other in one of these Senate races, a lot of money is going to be expended to try to accomplish that in the in the closing weeks. Thanks, John. John McCormick, national politics reporter at The Wall Street Journal. 21 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Ukrainian President. President Volodymyr Zelensky condemned another barrage of Russian airstrikes, calling on international allies to help Kyiv strengthen its air defense systems after a day of drone attacks on cities in which at least four people are known to have died. Kyiv Mayor Vitaly Klitschko condemned the strikes. This war is actually a war crime. We see how many people died, unguilty people, women, children, all people. Zelensky urged Ukrainian troops to take more Russians prisoner, saying that would make it easier to free those held by Russia. His comments came shortly after Kiev and Moscow carried out the largest prisoner swap of the war to date. 
Number two. Four Oklahoma men who disappeared on a bicycle ride were shot and their dismembered bodies discarded into a river. The men, aged 29 to 32, were reported missing last week before a human remains were found in a shallow part of the Deep Fork River over the weekend. Akmogie Police Chief Joe Prentice. We believe the men planned to commit some type of criminal act when they left the residence on West 6th Street. That belief is based on information supplied by a witness who reports they were invited to go with the men to quote-unquote hit a lick big enough for all of them. The remains were found about 40 miles south of Tulsa. Number three. Having fired her chancellor of the Exchequer days ago, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss must now battle to save her own job after what many political analysts and members of her own party regard as the worst start to a British premiership in modern times. Truss's popularity rating is the lowest of any British prime minister since the early 90s. After a turbulent few weeks that saw her plan to boost growth through the biggest tax cuts in a generation caused turmoil in UK financial markets, forcing her to retreat from her signature economic program. Trust replaced ousted Prime Minister Boris Johnson just six weeks ago. Forget for now the foldable iPhone. You may next see a foldable iPad. Analyst firm CCS says Apple will likely launch an iPad with a folding screen in 2024. That would be contrary to other smartphone makers like Samsung, which have launched foldable smartphones rather than tablets. CCS says a foldable iPhone would likely cost about (laughs) $2,500. I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better? Or create something new. Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel V Pro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877 Ask Dell. Glad you're with us. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says the share of unemployed Americans who quit or voluntarily left their jobs and immediately began looking for new employment rose to nearly 16% in September. Behind the trend with Julie on the job, career strategist Julie Bauke. Julie set the scene. Voluntary quits are at a 32-year high in September of this year. Now, this is not necessarily people who are going home to sit on their couch. This is uh, people who've changed jobs. In a lot of cases, they have just changed jobs and gone to other employers. And so lest we think that people are just sitting at home watching TV, these are job changes. Think of it like the workforce is like a chessboard and people are moving around. And that's where we are and that's where we're going to be. And I think the um, I think what's going on here is when you look at it's really easy to conflate and confuse COVID and everything we went through with the pandemic with um, the talent shortage and people quitting and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is these things were happening anyway. And COVID comes along, kind of muddied the water. And so you could be forgiven as a leader for thinking that now that COVID's over, everything's going to go back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. But the truth is it's not, and it never is. So we've got a talent shortage. We've got a broad generational shift going on in the workplace that is going to keep the, the younger generations, the millennials and Gen X, are going to continue to take up a greater number of seats in the workplace. And with them, they are bringing their attitude about work, which is very different from ours. It was yeah. coming yeah. anyway. COVID helped. COVID, it's just almost rushed it forward. Like people were working from home. They were showing they could be productive. Mm-hmm. 
And now that COVID's quote unquote almost over, whatever you think of that, um, it is, it's, it, that smoke screen has been taken away. And what employers are finding is the same issues that they've been dealing with are still going on. People are quitting. They're not afraid to leave if they don't like it um, because, because people can. They look at work differently than we did. And who are we to say that the way we looked at it was right and they're wrong? Is this a good idea now, I guess? I mean, here we are staring at a potential recession. We're hearing that executives are starting to make some plans if they have not started to implement some of those plans already. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We've got, but you know, we've been, we've been gnashing our teeth about a recession for a period of time here. And um, there are certainly some indicators, but what we've not seen are the jobless numbers move. So I think we've got the labor force is going to react. The work, work, work and careers and the labor force and everything associated with that is going to react differently in this recession than in recessions past because we don't have a bunch of new people who are born and who are ready to work. Thanks, Julie. Julie Bauke, career strategist known as Julie on the job. 30 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Want to eat healthier, but every supplement you've ever tried seems like the better it is for you, the worse it tastes, then you have to try AG1 from Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy and better gut health. What I didn't expect, the taste is better than any supplement I've ever had. I drink it, like it says, before anything else when I wake up. I guzzle those 8 to 10 ounces before my coffee and start my day knowing I've already gotten the recommended daily intake of all the good fruits and veggies. There's definitely a mental boost knowing you've started the day off on the right foot. I tackle the day now with more confidence and energy. AG1, by the way, is not only lifestyle friendly, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Try AG1. I love this product. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Gordon to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. The top stories and expert interviews that make sense of what you care about. This is America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Tuesday, October 18. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Testy debates in Georgia and Ohio. A debate between Florida Senate candidates tonight. Russian missile hits an apartment building in southern Ukraine. Over a million people now displaced by flooding in Nigeria. You can now officially apply for student loan forgiveness. Some Midwestern states seeing snow. Chargers over the Broncos in Monday Night Football. Yankees Guardians Game 5 postponed until tonight. And the woman helping Ukrainian refugees who wound up saving a three-legged cat. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Dell Technologies provides growing businesses with the tools to do incredible things. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. The nearly $1 billion in damages a jury ordered Alex Jones and his InfoWars company to pay for defaming the families of eight Sandy Hook victims last week was an overwhelming victory in the family's quest for accountability. But the fight for the money 
has only just begun. Here's what families are facing from Elizabeth Williamson, reporter at The New York Times. Elizabeth, how will they get their money? I think that, you know, what's going to happen, the families will be faced with a couple possible scenarios. I mean, first, there will be the appeal process, um, which could take months or maybe even a couple of years. And then once that's clear, um, there'll be, you know, some wrangling in the bankruptcy court um, because Alex Jones, at the start of these damages trials, of which there's still one remaining, um, has has put Free Speech Systems, which is InfoWars' parent company, into bankruptcy. Um, The families think this is another delaying tactic, so they have a separate lawsuit on that where they're accusing him of siphoning assets out of the business. To himself and to um, his family. So they've got a multi-front battle on their hands that will probably take a very long time to resolve. But they are absolutely determined to get as much of this judgment as they possibly can delivered to them. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of these scenarios could be that the court says to Alex Jones, you must liquidate Everything, right? Yes. I, I guess, including uh, the, the couches and and the, the lamps. Uh, so, which which, which yeah. somebody I think in your story estimated that could be two hundred seventy million, which is nowhere near the almost billion that they got, right? So, how would that work? Yeah, I mean that's one possible scenario. Um, what could happen potentially is that you know um, the families would have substantial input into a bankruptcy plan or a payment plan that would be submitted to the bankruptcy court in Houston where free speech systems bankruptcy case is playing out. Um, So the families um, would have that input. There would be, you know, either a plan by which he would pay them from InfoWars revenues, which would be an odd scenario because it would basically make the families Alex Jones's boss where he's working for them and delivering InfoWars profits to them to satisfy the judgment. Um, Obviously, that's potentially problematic because it means that, you know, given that this is a sort of lives-for-profit business, um, you know, they're they're suddenly in the InfoWars conspiracy-mongering diet supplement-selling business. I think that's pretty unsavory for most of them. Um, But, you know, there will be time in which, you know, this case needs to sort of play itself out um, and he will remain in business for that time so Mm. we're speaking with elizabeth williamson features writer at the new york times she's also the author of a book called sandy hook an american tragedy and the battle for truth and we're talking about her story about how the sandy hook families now can try to get the money that's been awarded to them nearly a billion dollars um what about the hedge fund angle Yeah, so under that scenario, um, what the families could do is essentially sell the judgment to an investment group, a hedge fund, or or some other form of investor group that would take on the debt that Alex Jones owes the families. Um, They would get, in that sense, um, you know, in that scenario, they would get some fraction of what the $965 million judgment is. Um, and then the investment group would proceed to try and track down as much of this money as they could get, you know, maybe by exploring um, potential offshore vehicles or other places where he might have put assets. Um, so that would put them in charge of the kind of asset hunt hmm. that would take place um, once they purchased 
the the um, the judgment, <laughs> in essence, um, and that would be a more immediate payday for the families, um, and then you know, but it would be a smaller one. Yeah. Well, at this point, are the families still talking about what it would be like to have that money? And it's been 10 years now, right? I, I presume they haven't gotten a nickel. Would it just seem to be gravy even if they got anything? I don't, I don't know what that mindset might be like. Yeah, so, you know, one of the striking things about the families is that this has never been about the money. This has been about sending a message yeah. about the kinds of disinformation and false narratives that the Sandy Hook hoax represents. Thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Williamson, reporter at The New York Times. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, there are few things that divide the travel world more than the issue of reclining seats on airplanes. This has been brought to the forefront once again after a viral Reddit post from a passenger on a recent flight from the U.S. to Australia. The woman claims that sometime in into the 14-hour flight, she decided to recline her seat to sleep. Her sleep didn't last long, however, since she was poked by the person sitting behind her who told her not to recline her seat because she would be uncomfortable. She later told Fox News that she called over a flight attendant to explain her situation and she was allowed to move to a seat that had an empty seat behind it so she could recline in peace. Of course, many people had thoughts about the proper etiquette on this issue, seemingly split down the middle. Most seem to agree that it's never a good idea to recline while meals are being served, but plenty of people said that otherwise it's your seat to do with what you want. Others disagreed, saying that reclining is a signal that your comfort is more important than someone else's. Others said this whole thing could be solved by simply asking the person behind you if it's okay before you recline. Yeah, you know, <laughs> face-to-face human communication, it's unbelievable how far that can go sometimes. <laughs> yes, and, and then of course you can't be mad if the person says no afterwards. Yeah. You have to say like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it up to them, yep. and if they're okay with it, the, then that's cool. I, you know, as a general rule, because I absolutely hate it when people recline, because I have mm-hmm. long legs, and I, I only sit in coach, obviously, so I hate it when people recline, so as a general rule, I just don't recline. Yeah. I, and I know I'm not gonna sleep on the plane anyway, so reclining that like three inches back is not gonna be the difference between me sleeping and not sleeping. Well, you have this really weird approach in that you treat others the way you want to be treated, <laughs> and that's just not how it goes at 30,000 feet sometimes. Yeah, well, we, you know, other people believe, you know, I bought this seat, this seat, yeah. or I rented this seat for yeah. the, you know, 14 hours that I'm on this flight, and I get to do with it what I want. Right. By the way, I can't stand that airlines get a pass on this. I know. Right, yes. as our old uh, colleague Scott McCartney at the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. used to say, airlines are the only industry in which they punish the customers, or right. which the customers are punished. Yes. So, you know, U.S. to Australia flight, mm-hmm. it ought to have reclining seats. Yes. And it ought to have reclining seats in such a way that the person behind is not impacted. Right. Bigger, but they don't. bigger rows, right. but they'll, they'll never do that. They jam us in like <laughs> sardines and don't give a rip. And then let us fight it out. And we've seen a lot of strange uses for billboards over the years, but this one is either a gigantic waste of money or a brilliant marketing ploy, possibly both. A Utah man got some attention over the summer for renting out a Salt Lake City area billboard that simply read Weezer in reference to the band that's been cranking out alt-rock hits for nearly 30 years. The man named Corey Wynn owns an online t-shirt retailer and apparently thought it would be funny to put the band's name on a billboard in the worst font ever. It was inspired by a shirt he sells on his website and the stunt went viral after he posted video of it on TikTok. 
That, however, is not the end of the story. The band caught wind of the Billboard tribute and decided to buy their own billboard in response. The new billboard reads, Thanks to whoever bought the billboard down the road, signed Weezer. (laughs) Wynn now says he's preparing a response to the band's billboard and wants to see how far he can take the billboard back and forth. Hmm. I think this this might be it. I, I think that's the end. I'm not, not sure Weezer remains involved at this point. Right, afterwards. right. They've done their duty yes. here, and now they're yes. probably not going to continue to spend money buying billboards. I, I, I would, th- I don't know, any other band, I'd probably say no, but Weezer might because they they like yeah. to do kind of wacky things. So right. who knows? But they've already done the wacky thing. That's right. What I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you they know? they would be more likely, I think, to keep this going than other bands would. Let's okay. put it that way. I think, in my opinion, both parties have won here. Mm-hmm. Move on. <laughs> Innovation, resilience, agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Thanks for spending time with us planning some holiday travel. Keep in mind the best and worst days to fly around Thanksgiving. NerdWallet analyzed the past three years of checkpoint travel numbers provided by the TSA, which tracks the number of passengers screened daily. In each of the past three years, the Sunday after Thanksgiving was the most crowded day to travel from the Friday before Thanksgiving through the Wednesday after. As far as the least crowded, that's Thanksgiving Day itself. By almost all metrics, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, pretty much the worst day of the year you could fly. In both 2021 and 2019, it was the busiest single day of the entire year. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A Russian warplane crashed into a residential area in a Russian city after suffering engine failure, leaving at least 13 people dead. Meanwhile, airstrikes have been reported in several Ukrainian cities, prompting President Volodymyr Zelensky to accuse Russia of terrorizing and killing civilians. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The most recent escalation, uh, the United States strongly condemns uh, Russia's missile strikes today, uh, which continue to demonstrate Putin's brutality. The latest barrage of airstrikes were described as a massive attack on energy infrastructure facilities. Number two. The Department of Education has launched its official application for student loan forgiveness meaning tens of millions of people can now request the financial relief. President Biden says more than 8 million people applied for relief over the weekend during a test of the system. I don't want to hear from Republican officials again who heard who had hundreds of thousands of dollars, even millions of dollars in pandemic relief loans, the PPP loans, but who now attack working middle-class Americans are getting relief. These are members of Congress who received those loans. As the White House officially launched the application, legal challenges brought by Republicans against the plan continue to grow. Number three. A top White House health official has issued a stark warning to older people about the health risk if they face this fall and winter from COVID. Ashish Jha, head of the COVID task force, says everyone older than 50 needs to get an Omicron booster as soon as possible, calling the updated vaccine the difference between life and death. About 70 percent of people dying from COVID right now are 75 and older.
According to documents released by a congressional committee, Donald Trump's private company arranged for the Secret Service to pay for rooms at his properties in excess of government-approved rates at least 40 times, including two charges of more than $1,100 per room per night. The House Oversight Committee says the Secret Service was charged room rates of more than $800 per night at least 11 times when agents stayed at Trump properties. As water levels plummet, a shipwreck has emerged along the banks of the Mississippi River in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Archaeologists believe the vessel was a ferry that sunk in the late 1800s or early 1900s. It likely carried people and horse-drawn wagons from one side of the river to the other. That's something. Thank you, Jen. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for being with us. How about this for a cat rescue? It's a story passed along by our friends at WTKS in Savannah. When Wendy Lloyd, who works for the BBC, traveled to Ukraine on a mission to help displaced people, she didn't expect to start doing animal rescue. But the 41-year-old from Birmingham, England, couldn't help but form an attachment to a three-legged cat. Ms. Lloyd had found him at a makeshift shelter. As missiles flew overhead, a terrified Ms. Lloyd held on to the cat. Metro.co.uk says in that moment... Ms. Lloyd named him Rocket and took him on a 1,600-mile trip home to Birmingham. Pet owners fleeing the Russian invasion of Ukraine had to either set the animals free or leave them at home to survive on their own. Well, Rocket was one of the pets freed onto the streets. He lost his leg when he was struck by a car. Rocket has since received treatment and has found a forever home with Ms. Lloyd in Birmingham. He even frequents the local pub with her and gets a hero's welcome. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News. How would you love a chance to save some money on car insurance? GEICO can help. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save.